This is KOOP HD1 HD3 Hornsby. Welcome to the Austin Chronicle Show. My name is Jesse Cape, and I'm the food editor of the Austin Chronicle, Austin's independent source of news and culture reporting since 1981. And I am filling in for the show's regular host, our editor-in-chief, Kim Jones. This week, we're here to chat about all sorts of things happening in our wonderful city. It's finally, slowly, that time of year again when we're wrapping up the hottest months. And that, of course, means we're now entering the event and festival season. Our new issue, On Stands All Over the City, is jam-packed with ideas for all kinds of ways to really experience Austin at its finest. Our guest today is Wayne Allen Brenner, roving reporter and arts listings editor, and this week he wrote about a new play by a very successful local theater group called Paper Chairs. Thanks for joining us, Brenner. Thanks for having me here, Jesse. Absolutely. I have to say right off the bat, any description that merits mentions of Federico Garcia Lorca, David Lynch, and Plano, Texas, which is not far from my hometown, uh, has my attention. Tell me about this group. Well, this is uh, Paper Chairs. They've been doing shows in Austin for 10 years now. The uh, The main people are Elizabeth Doss, Lisa Larada, and Dustin Wills, and they've brought the city some of the weirdest, wildest, and yet almost, well, oddly, some of the most literate works of theater. It's been a pleasure for me to see. Uh, their murder ballad, Murder Mystery, uh, the Poor Herman show, that was based on Doss's great-great-great-grandfather Herman Melville, the guy that wrote Moby Dick. Um, so many good works. But this new one, which is, it's the Texas premiere of Will Arbery's Plano, and it's playing at Ground Floor Theater for the next two weekends. And I'm glad that it allows me to use a word I like to use whenever possible. Because I think this show is the apotheosis, that's the word, the apotheosis of Paper Chair's career. I, it's their ultimate knockout punch as far as, well, as far as anything goes. The, the cast, the direction, the set, the lighting, it's, it's unbelievably powerful. But it's, it's powerfully funny, too, is the thing. It's, it's funny in a suburban, spooky, mess-with-your-head David Lynch sort of way, you know? Like Will Arbery's script and what these guys have done with it, it's enough to make you tremble with dread when you're not shaking with laughter or, or wondering how in the hell does the city of Plano warp reality like that? <laughs> Apotheosis, huh? Yes. I'm going to have to figure out a way to incorporate that into food writing. Should be an interesting trick. Uh, so tell me more about the, uh, what's the term you used? Let's see. Uh Surregionalism. Oh, surregionalism. Yeah, that's not that's not my term. That's uh, something that paper chairs people ah. came up with it, when they're going over their scripts and when the company first started out. One of the things they realized is that they're really involved, really uh, invested in place, a sense of place, and that if you're really involved in your place, it gets almost surreal, especially when you try to portray it on stage, mm. to, 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 have a, to have a set and to act as if you're not acting. Everything gets really hyper intense. And so if, if you're dealing with place, if with the location, with site-specific works, with the history of whatever place the story's taking place, you can't get away from the word taking place <laughs> in, then it's really, really surreal, 
which makes it surregionalism is what they're calling it. That's another word I'm going to have to work into my writing somehow. Well, there you go. This play is the apotheosis of surregionalism. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So tell me more about Federico Garcia Lorca. Tell me some of his uh, things. Um, if What do I know about Federico Garcia Lorca? I don't know. <laughs> I, I know him mostly from that mention in, in Allen Ginsberg's poems. Oh. Um and that he is a he's a poet, a Spanish poet who uh, these guys have just become rather obsessed with. He's kind of, I guess, like their their late great spirit animal, if you will, mm. as far as literature goes. Um, I'm only guessing here, but I would think that if there are two stars, two stars of writing, that paper chairs and please. Uh, uh, paper chairs people let me know if i got this wrong <laughs> but uh the two stars that guide this company are federico garcia lorca and um herman melville it certainly looks like that from what they've done in the past but uh, what they are doing is with these these old dudes of writing is so modern and and grabs you right by the gut when you're watching the shows it's it's really incredible that is that sounds fantastic, and it's all playing at the Ground Floor Theater. And where is that? Uh, ground Floor Theater. That's over on Springdale. You, one of the things that's really cool about that too is it's right near. You have to go around um, Dimension Gallery. You have to go around Dimension Gallery on Springdale to get to it. And Dimension Gallery is it's all three dimensional sculptural works, and it, yeah. That's very cool. I'm going to have to go check that out, I think. And speaking of galleries and things like that, uh, we have a big spread this week about Austin Museum Day. It's this Sunday, and there are a whopping 41 museums participating this year. Um, do you have any picks that you might want to tell? Oh, God, there's so many. It's it's hard to, to imagine just winning it down. But then how can you see them all? You can't. Right, you can't. But um, I know that... At the Umlauf Sculpture Garden right now, uh, Michael Ray Charles right. has an exhibit, which uh, we just covered a couple mm -hmm. of weeks ago. Robert Ferris wrote about that. And that is, wow, powerful. It, it's, it's, the guy is internationally renowned. And unlike some people, I don't know who, but unlike some people, he's internationally renowned for a reason. The man has got skill and talent and a body of work that is undeniably great. And... Yeah, that's um, another thing I'm going to have to check out. I'm going to just have to clear my schedule and go do all of these fun things. Well, that is intensely uh, wonderful. And Paper Chairs uh, is it starts now. It starts today. Oh, it's it's been going on it's Been going on. Yes. All right. So anybody listening can uh, check out the rest of the article uh, on our website. And we're going to talk about the rest of the issue. Uh, so speaking of the cover girl, uh, this week uh, our staff writer Rachel Rasco wrote a very cool story about this Parisian musician who's now living in Austin. Lou Rebecca is, as uh, Rasco writes, the complete pop package. Uh, another thing about music happening right now is Ham Day uh, next Tuesday, September 4th, and I'm sure most the listeners know, but the Health Alliance for Austin Musicians is a cherished local org that provides health care to our city's community of musicians. Uh, and we have pages and pages of info on the different event listings for over 200 uh, participating artists. Uh, so we've also got something very special happening, too, which is this week, 
launches the second round of voting in our Best of Austin Readers Choice Poll. Over the past several weeks, Kim Jones and the rest of the team uh, has opened envelopes and processed ballots, determined the reader-chosen finalists for all kinds of categories. There's food trucks and drag performers, pool halls and pet stores, all vying for their title as the best in Austin. And also, there's even a category for best radio station. And the mail is coming in like crazy. I mean, there's floods of letters and recommendations and votes coming in. It's I don't think we've we've seen it like this for years. Yes, Austin has opinions. Mm-hmm. We love it. And the more the merrier. We want to hear all about it. Um, so if you're so inclined, there's a ballot in the print edition. And there's also one on the Chronicle website, austinchronicle.com forward slash best of. It's multiple choice, y'all. Voting ends Monday, October 7th, and we definitely want to hear from you. Moving on, it's also the 15th annual Fantastic Fest, uh, which is kind of a tastemaker in the festival uh, circuit for films. Our screens editor, Richard, who's actually down at the festival right now, screening all sorts of films, has put together a fantastic preview package with interviews, reviews, all sorts of things, uh, which is very cool. I like how you say that, a fantastic preview package. You like that? Tying that right in. So clever. I'm a clever girl. Little Jurassic Park reference there. <laughs> if that's not enough content to just absolutely blow your minds, uh, we also have a big feature this week profiling a very special local woman who has launched a new online magazine focusing on all things vegan. So we're going to flip the script today, and Brenner is going to ask me some questions. Uh, yeah, I'm going to ask you, how did you hear about this to begin with? Well, actually, we have written about Summer Ann Burton before, a few times, actually. Those those articles are linked within the story. But she started off uh, doing all sorts of things around town, including uh, starting her own blog, Every Hall of Famer, in which she hand-drew chronologically every baseball hall of fame member in the list that's which right is pretty I've seen hilarious. Those. Well, this this is one of the things i don't understand because or at least the, the the social perception of people that are are vegans is that they're not i mean i hear people like well they're not eating meat you know they don't <laughs> have any energy they need the protein um but here's a woman who did that the blog post, the ongoing blog with uh, all those Hall of Famers that she drew by hand yep. every single day. It's amazing. And she's doing this new this new thing for vegans now. And she just seems to be doing all sorts of stuff. How does one woman accomplish so much in so little time? She's just very cool. Her, like I said, the baseball website's really amazing. And it's pretty irreverent, uh, too. There's glitter on some of them and all sorts of things. I think LeBron James might be on there with some glitter action, uh, which is special. <laughs> but yeah, she she is a really interesting person to talk to. And I myself am not a vegan, though I do you know, skip many days of the week without eating meat, um, as most people should at least consider doing for the sake of our planet. But, you know, like you said, there's there's certain perceptions about the vegan community. And I was absolutely astonished to hear from her the different things that her new magazine online is tackling uh, within that conversation. And they very much open it up to, you know, discussion and they want this peaceful dialogue between their readers um, and their writers. Um, She, you know, makes a point to say, 
it's absolutely impossible for any one person to be so removed from society that you're not causing any harm. I mean, if you're driving a car, you've probably hit a bug or two. Um, Most people have shoes that have rubber in them. Some school children use glue. There's all sorts of things happening. So the idea that, um, you know, it's this elitist thing where it's just all about salads and smoothies is she just kind of puts all that to bed for for good, Um, which is very interesting to me. Um, And I think our readers are going to get we always have people commenting on any vegan content that we post, uh, which is very relevant and important. But I think this one's going to kind of again, flip the script uh, and make people think about it. You know, it it is worth considering maybe not eating a cheeseburger every day for lunch, not only for your own heart, but for the rest of the planet. The heart of the planet, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now on on this this blog, this is it a blog or is it an app? It's an online magazine, Tenderly ah, is the okay. name, and it's actually part of uh, Medium's uh, subscription service. So it's kind of a cool deal. Cool deal. They put out a call for partner publications, um, and they could have been existing or brand new ideas. Uh, and she was in the process of kind of reconfiguring her entire life and happened to see it. Amazing. And she used to work for BuzzFeed. Yeah. So uh, BuzzFeed, everybody is probably familiar with their, they pretty much made listicles famous, uh, which is an interesting uh, thing to be known for. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, she uh, got an entry level position. She was working at the Alamo Draft House here in town as a waitress and doing her every Hall of Famer uh, blog. And she got an entry level uh, position at BuzzFeed. And through a series of events, she worked her way up uh, in the company, moved to New York, uh, and started this whole new life in New York City. Um, and coincidentally, around that time is when she became a vegan. Hmm. She'd been a vegetarian, but uh, she became vegan around that time. It's just, according to her, it's far easier to be vegan in New York. There's just a wide range of restaurants that kind of cater to the the vegan lifestyle, and it just makes it a lot more interesting. You're not just eating, you know, boring things sans cheese. Sure, I, I understand that it's easier to be vegan up there than to find good Mexican food, which, yeah. which is why I've got to ask you, um, there's a rumor that there's some kind of uh, vegan queso that's not horrible. Uh, what, that she has something to do with. What can you tell me about that? She does. You know, I think everyone in Austin can pretty much agree that if there was like an unofficial dish, everyone thinks it's barbecue or chili. But I completely think that's wrong. It's queso, and everyone knows it. But yeah, that she said that was one of the hardest things to give up. And I know for me, uh, I was vegetarian for years and years, and I couldn't even stomach the idea of giving up cheese because it made up probably 50% of my diet at the time. I mean, I was a teenager. Uh, <laughs> but she said something similar where it was like, you know, I can't I can't possibly give it up. I love it so much, so on and so forth. So when she made the switch uh, up there, she wasn't eating queso anyway, because I think there, I don't know if you remember, there was an article a few years ago where there was a New York City chef that had come up with this amazing new dish. And it was melted cheese with tomatoes and green chilies and all sorts of spices. Oh, you're kidding. So in yeah, and uh, newsflash, we'd been doing it forever. <laughs> so after that, at that point, she's living up there and decides, you know, well, I guess if I'm going to pull this off, the one thing I need is queso. So she starts messing around in the kitchen with all sorts of vegan-friendly uh, ingredients. 
and came up with what she says is the best vegan queso that she's had. Uh, I have not personally tried it, but I convinced her to share the recipe with us. And it looks awesome, although I have to be honest, I'm not entirely sure what constitutes vegetable shortening. Do you know what that is? I have no idea. Me neither. Canola oil? I, yeah. Maybe. Pureed but you know, vegetables? If, I'm not sure. If, if there are these plant-based burgers now that can bleed, maybe there's vegan queso that doesn't taste bad. Yeah, it's got uh, the cashew cheese, which is, I've actually had that. It's delicious. But everything else in it is exactly the same mm. as regular queso from Texas, not New York. So we do, we have that on our website also, uh, which is a pretty fantastic thing to have on our website. Sure. I love it when our website is covered with queso. Everything should be covered in <laughs> queso. Uh, so yeah, um, it's, it's very cool. Another thing too, um, and I... We, I, it's mentioned a few times in the paper this week. Uh, one of our editors, uh, Sarah Marloff, wrote a piece about different ways that you can actually make a difference uh, with climate change, which everybody should, again, at least be attempting to consider. She talks about those things. And one easy thing to do um, that we put a little blurb about is composting. Uh, and I actually have been composting for quite a few years now. And the city of Austin has a composting rebate program, which I just found out about. It's kind of cool. You can purchase your composting container of choice at X number of different places, um, and they list some on the website, but you're pretty much open to purchasing them wherever you want. And then there's some sort of rebate coupon, which is the best incentive I can think of. You don't even have to spend any money. You just have to put your vegetables in this container and move along with your life, knowing mm-hmm. that you're doing some good. Do you compost? Uh, I I leave that up to my wife. I think we do compost. Well, actually, compost, no. I would know about that. We recycle <laughs> is what we do, yes. Well, and you feed your pets some of Oh, the... yeah, that's kind of like composting. It is. At least with the pets I have. That's right. That's another story for another episode. <laughs> we'll talk about that next time. Uh, There are some other cool things in the issue, too. Again, we mentioned the Fantastic Fest uh, starts this weekend uh, and Ham Day. Um, Yeah, and speaking of things that you can do for the planet, uh, the author Jonathan Safran Foer is in town tonight, uh, Friday night, at at Book People. And he's got a new book called We Are the Weather. And one of the things that he's suggesting that the ordinary person can do to make at least a bit of difference is— not necessarily don't go full vegan, but maybe be a vegan two nights out of the week. I mean, you start with little things like that, and it can help. Anyway, the man himself can tell you at Book People. So, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's like Meatless Monday and Meatless Tuesday, maybe. Or, or even Cheeseless and Meatless. Or, or maybe only eat uh, Summer Ann Burton's vegan queso at that time. You could just pour it on all of your vegetables. Oh, absolutely. Which I think is probably incentive for most of the children out there. I don't know if any are listening, but you could (laughs) pour all of the vegan queso on all of your broccoli. Totally, because children love broccoli, as I recall. All right. Well, that's just about going to do it for us today. Uh, You can find the rest of all of these stories uh, and a whole bunch more at austinchronicle.com and in the print issue, which is on stands right now. I believe we have over 1,800 distribution points in the city. We have a whole lot. Those guys are out there just delivering 
like it's going out of style, <laughs> which it never will. Ever. No. Alt weeklies <laughs> will not die. Not in this town. Print media for life. Yes. <laughs> Thank you to my guest, Wayne Allen Brenner. And thank you, Jesse. This has been a pleasure. Thanks to our engineer, Bob Daly. Ooh, Bob. Thank you to Kevin Curtin and Jonas Wilson for writing our theme music. And thanks so much to everybody for listening. We'll be back next week for another edition of the Austin Chronicle Show. Same time, same place.